want you, I, I want you to know that if you are here uh, as a guest, you're here for the first time, you've picked a great day to be at Calvary. We're in the middle of this series entitled, Wow. We started at Easter Sunday. So if you've not been around or, or maybe if you're, if you're a, a regular part of the church family and you've missed, I will tell you, you should stop by um, our Media Resource Center down in the lobby and, uh, and, and just order the entire series. Or go online to our website, uh, www.calvaryorlando.org, and, and you'll want to, you'll want, I believe this, I believe that it has been um, a great series. And as we uh, uh, continue the series today and finish the series up next Sunday. Uh, these, we, we've picked out just six wow statements of Jesus. There are a lot that we could have chosen from because Jesus regularly said these amazing things, right? That, that, still, have, that still have tremendous resonance in our life today. This morning, I want to focus on this comment that Jesus makes in John chapter 14. And, and in John 14, it is it is just before Jesus goes to the garden, is betrayed by Judas and arrested. And so Jesus, knowing what's going to happen, he is, he is, he is presenting some very, some very important, some very, some very timely principles to, to those who have gathered in the upper room, his closest followers, his disciples. So at the beginning of John 14, he says this, and it's a very familiar portion of Scripture, but Jesus says this. He says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't, don't, I, I don't want you to be hard of heart. Believe in God. Believe in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions or many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. Behold, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That that where I am, you may be also. And know this, that if I go, if I go away, that I'm going to, I'm going to return. And, and, and as he's speaking, Thomas says, Lord, where are you going? And, and, and how will we know how to get there? And, and Jesus says this, he says, Thomas, and, and not just to Thomas, but to everybody there, he says, because I want you to know this, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. But because we've spent this time together, you, you know this. And then, and then you, you'll see this, uh, it, it tells us, it tells us uh, in, in, um, in John 14, it tells us that, uh, that Philip responds. This is verse 8. And he says, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus responds, and he says, Philip, you've been with me all this time, and yet you still don't see the Father? Understand this. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the, fa I am the Father. The Father is me. We are one. And he talks a little bit more about this. And then he makes this statement. He says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. What you've seen, in essence, he's saying this to his followers, what you've seen happen over the last three years, that, that should be more than enough support for you to understand who I am. And then we kind of get to the, 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 the point scripture of this morning. It says this. It says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me 
will do what I have been doing. In fact, he will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I want to I want to take just a few moments this morning and I want to talk to you about that that promise of greater things. Jesus says this, whosoever there's a there's an old hymn of the church that says this, whosoever surely meaneth me. Right? Whosoever surely meaneth me, surely meaneth me, surely meaneth me. Oh, whosoever surely meaneth me, whosoever meaneth me. And so when, when Jesus makes that statement, whosoever, what happens is this. What he's talking about, it then applies not just to the people that are in the room, but it becomes a universal promise. So what he gives in John chapter 14, and, and there are some, there are over 7,000 promises in the Word of God that apply to, to you and I. Now, there are more promises than that that God gave to particular individuals, okay? So, for example, God gave this promise to Abraham. He said, I will make you a father of many nations. So, that's a promise that's in the Bible, but Shannon, that wasn't a promise that was made to you. That was a promise that was made to Abraham. It was a, it was a, it was a particular promise. But there are, there are seven, a little over 7,000 promises that are universal promises, which means that we can apply them to our life today. Now, here's the danger, though. The danger is this, is sometimes we will, we will pull those promises out of their context. And, and in so doing, um, we, we, can, we can shift from faith to manipulation. Or what we can do is we can, we can tr- mistakenly trust in God for an incomplete promise or a promise that he never gave. I see that happen oftentimes with a statement in John 14, 12. Jesus makes a statement, whosoever believes, whosoever believes, whosoever believes what? What is the, what is the context in which this issue of greater things happens. Because when we, when we come to understand that, when we come to grips with that, what it does is it rightly positions us to see the works of God take place in 2018. And I'm convinced of this. I'm convinced that your neighborhood needs a move of God. I'm convinced that your apartment complex needs a move of God. I'm convinced that your retirement center needs a move of God. I'm convinced that your high school needs a move of God. I'm convinced that your city needs a move of God. I'm convinced that your family needs a move of God and need to experience the power and the presence of God in a significant way. And God has never changed. I think about the statement that Jesus made when he said this, these things you will do and even greater things. So I I think about I think about Jesus teaching the multitudes. 
And all around the world today, there are churches where the Word of God is being proclaimed to more people in that church setting than we see in any of Jesus' largest sermons. There will be as many people in Lakewood Church today as there were when Jesus fed the 5,000. There are churches all across Africa, Australia, Asia. There's a church in Asia today that will have upwards of a half million people in their collective services. So when Jesus said, these things you, will, these things you have seen me do, you will do in even greater things, well, that's taking place. Miracles, miraculous healing. If you have experienced a legitimate miraculous healing in your life, I want you to stand. Okay? Now, I want you to look, folks. I want, to, I want you to look at what you, by the way, I'm standing as well. I, I, I broke my tailbone. I fell off a roof in Nicaragua, and God, God instantly miraculously healed it. I want you to look around, okay? So, th- thank you so much. You may be seated. So, God is still in the healing business. Okay, how about miraculous, how about miraculous provision? If you have, if you've been in a situation where provision came in miraculously, it makes no sense in the natural, but you were faced with a hardship, you were faced with a situation that on your own, there was no way that you had the resource to fix the problem, and miraculous provision has just shown up, okay? money for a bill to be paid. You, 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 you didn't have transportation and all of a sudden a, a vehicle came into your life. Uh, you, uh, any, any number, school tuition, any, you, you've just, you've been in that spot where you look at your, you look at your bank book and you look at your need and your bank book and your need don't line up and miraculous provision has come your way. You've received that. I want you to stand. See, I want you to look around today. All right, so here's what happens. Oftentimes, I hear this all the time. People go, Pastor, why don't we see the signs and wonders? Look around the room. Don't tell me that God's, you can be, you can be seated. Don't tell me that God's not moving in the miraculous, right? So miraculous healing, miraculous provision. Here's what I can tell you. On a regular basis, many of you in the room, you'll be talking to a person and you'll know something about their life that only the Holy Spirit could have revealed to you, right? And He's given you a word of knowledge in that moment about their situation. You'll be talking to, to somebody in, 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 in a ministry environment. Sometimes it doesn't even have to be a ministry environment. There are times, friends, that you'll be operating in the workplace. And you'll begin to talk about something and wisdom will flow from you that you, you in the natural did not know that information. Prior to, prior to, um, to working vocationally in full-time ministry, I, um, which it's 30 years this month that I've been doing this uh, as my only vocational job. And you know what that means? That just means I'm getting old. Wow, 30 years. So, the gray hair, you know where that came from? Youth ministry. 
Nine years of youth ministry. Junior hires did this to me. So, um, I, I, and, and I had to focus on junior high ministry because senior high ministry, I would have had no hair at all. Mark works with, Mark works with senior hires. Look at him. Yeah. He used to be a white guy. That's what working with senior hires will do to you. Even, even when I worked, even when I worked in the computer industry, it, 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 I never see so many amazed how God would give me insights into my customers' needs that me being this punk young kid, there's no way I should have known that. Or an understanding of the way this technology worked that, that I didn't have any reason to know that. Why? Because our God is a greater things God. Let me say this again. Our God is a greater things God. Now, let me tell you a pressure point for me. A pressure point for me is the fact that I know that our God is a greater things God, and yet I see a trend in the church that the church is becoming more and more hidden in the world around us. So many of us here, we grew up singing in Sunday school, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. And yet what I see is this, I see this trend where we're becoming more and more insulated and isolated from the world around us. And the reason for it is not selfishness. The reason for it is apprehension. And I'm convinced the reason that we have that apprehension is because we fail to understand the principle of greater things. So here's, real quickly, here's what I want to do. I want to do this. I, I want to I give you the biblical blueprint for greater things. And then... A number of you stood and said, I received miraculous healing. There are some of you today that you need to join that group. And we're going to pray for you for healing and you will be healed today. There are some of you that walked in here today and you're, you are facing a mountain. And you need a breakthrough in finance. And God wants to give you greater things today. Some of you, you need a relationship miracle. And God wants to give you greater things today. Some of you, you've got wayward children. And the story of the prodigal son, then the prodigal coming home, God wants you to walk in that promise today. And I, I, I'm convinced of this, that we've got to become much more focused in positioning ourselves for greater things. But what does that look like? How, how do we do that? And, and this, is a, this is where it's important to look at what Jesus says, okay? So let me, let, me, let me just real briefly do this. So here's what Jesus said. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father and, and will do Whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father, you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot see him and does not know him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. And whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who, lo he who loves me will be loved by my Father. I too will love him and show myself to him. So here's what Jesus says. He says this, I want you to live, I want you to be connected to greater things. How does that happen? It first happens with having a confidence, a confidence in Jesus' character. See, when Jesus says, believe in me, he's talking to a group of people that have journeyed with him for three years. They've seen his heart. They know his plan. They've, they've walked with him in his mission. They've embraced his character. And so in this, in this context, Jesus isn't saying blindly believe in me. He says, you know me, right? That's the reason why when Philip says, show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus says, Philip, really, after three years, one of the keys to greater things is coming to a firm understanding of Jesus' character. Of being able to have not blind faith in him, but, but an understanding, a perceptive faith in him. Right? So when I have perceptive faith, when I have an understanding of faith, I understand this, okay? When Jesus says, ask me anything and I will do it, it is, not un, it is not unlike me saying to Ron, Ron, seriously, anything that you need, as your friend, anything that you need, I'm there for you. All right, so I, I communicate to Ron in relationship. Ron, anything you need, I'm there for you. How many of you believe that if I say that to Ron, that I mean it? Good, some of you think that I'm a man of my word. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, you're either not paying attention or I've got to work on that. So, so if Ron were to come to me tomorrow, if I make that statement to him today, and if Ron were to come to me tomorrow and say, okay, Ed, I'm going to rob a liquor store and I need you to do lookout for me. Okay, first of all, Ron, what are you doing robbing liquor stores, brother? You're supposed to be a man of God. But how many of you know that even though I told Ron that I would do anything, there should be some inherent understanding of the parameters in which anything exists? Are you with me? Okay. So I've heard, I've heard, I've heard pastors say, well, when God says anything, does he mean anything? Yes, he means anything. No, he doesn't. Okay? He means anything that's in keeping with his character. And so we have to understand that. There are times that we will ask God and God will say no. 
I prayed and I asked God to heal grandma and God didn't heal grandma. Therefore, this word isn't true. You know what? Here's what I know is that God's word says that before grandma was fashioned and great grandma's womb, that God knew grandma and God ordered her days. And I have to trust that God knows what he's doing in that. Because God's not going to, God's not going to do what's less than best for grandma just because I'm not comfortable with letting her go. Now, here's what I know. And using that example, there there are some people in this room that that might strike a raw nerve. And friends, it's not my, it's not my heart. But I want you to have an understanding of the way that God works. When you understand my character, when you understand my heart, when you understand me, Jesus says, you know that I am in your corner. And you can come to me with anything that is in harmony with my character. He says this, he says, ask, ask. It's not just believing, it's also asking, right? Now, what's the, what's the significance of asking? Here's the significance of asking. Asking is a demonstration of relationship. That interaction, it's a demonstration of relationship. And then he says this. He says, if you love me, if you have a relationship with me, you walk in obedience with what I've taught you. So an evidence of that relationship is that I'm walking in obedience, not in legalism and not in perfection. Perfection is reserved for God alone, but we, we walk in grace. And, and walking in that obedience positions us to have the overt presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, this divine enablement, this divine empowerment that Jesus spoke of, that Jesus promised and was fully revealed on the day of Pentecost. So very simply, what's the, what's the key to this issue of greater things? It's this. It's, it's believing in who Jesus is operating in a genuine faith that leads me to have this dialogue with him about what's going on in my life, the burdens and the desires of my heart. Releasing those things to him in confident obedience. And saying, Holy Spirit, have your way.
Jesus, I believe that you have the ability to heal my body because I see it in your character. And so I'm, I'm asking you to touch this situation. All the while, oh God, saying, I don't know ultimately what's best. And so I, I submit to your plan. And I yield to however the Holy Spirit wants to work in my body for the type of victory that you determine that's best for me. God, you, you see this, you see this, finan- this massive financial hurdle and, and your word says that you'll supply all of my needs. But God, I know this, that if I live at poverty level in America, I am among the top 3% of the wealthiest people in the world. Let me say that again. If I live at poverty level in America, I live at the top 3% of the wealthiest people in the world. So God, I ask for you to provide for my needs But God, I ask for you to provide for my needs as you know my needs to be, not the distorted view of what I think my needs are. Because I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will trust in you I will trust in you. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. I place my hope on you because you are the everlasting God. See, that's where it goes from being a song that you sing to a faith that you live. Let's stand together. God, I pray that faith would rise up all over this room. You are a God who has always done greater things. And you are a God who is always doing greater things. And so, God, we come to you this morning. And it's not so much, God, that we're asking you to do greater things. We're asking you to do your thing. God, let let healing be released in your house this morning. Let deliverance be released in your house this morning. Let provision be released in your house this morning. Let salvation be released in your house this morning. Let faith rise up in your house this morning. God, let us 
Let us be a testimony. And whosoever believes in me, he will do these things. She will do these things. And even greater. We stand on your promise, O God. And we believe it for this moment. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.